Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am Jeff Burkhart, joined as always by my man, Justin Nutter. Got a big game coming up this Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. K-State will be hosting the Texas Tech Red Raiders in what will be the Wildcats Big 12 home opener here for 2022. Both squads looking to go to 2-0 on the young season in conference play. And honestly, in a, in a Big 12 that looks about as open as it's ever been, that could be a pretty monumental feat here in the early going as we get set to dive right into the heart of conference play. Now, before we jump into the tale of the tape for this game and whatnot, quick request of our listeners, follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. You can find us on the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Now, Nutter, I know we've obviously got a, a, a massive home game coming up for Kansas State this Saturday, looking like it's going to be a sellout on that front. But before we do discuss that, you didn't have a chance, obviously, to, to chime in on the victory over Oklahoma. So that being said, I'm just going to go ahead, go on mute here, turn it over to you. What were your big takeaways from that monumental upset down in Norman? Yeah, you know, if you take a step back and look at this from the beginning of the season, from a fan outlook perspective, I think you would struggle to find a more up and down ride through the first four games of the season, right? We came in, the sky was the limit. We pretty well handled South Dakota. There were some concerns about the offense, but I don't think you can take too much away from a 34-point win. You know, Missouri comes in, just gets absolutely steamrolled, run pretty high. Offense goes into a shell, crap the bet against Tulane. I think at that point, everybody thought the sky was falling a little bit. You know, you're hearing talk about, is this even a bull team? You know, what's wrong with the offense? Is Martinez washed? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know what conversations were had behind closed doors among that offensive staff and that veteran quarterback, but Martinez was a dog in Norman. I mean, they're... As good as Skylar Thompson was in his two wins against Oklahoma, I don't know that they really compared to what Martinez went in and did in prime time on national TV. You know, that's for all intents and purposes, that is how Oklahoma is going to have to remember K-State. You know, I don't anticipate K-State making another trip to Norman. Uh, really sours Brent Venable's first game against his alma mater. I mean, it can't say enough good things about uh you know, just about the win in general, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had is, you know, there wasn't any fluky crap, right? I mean, there was no fumble at the back of the end zone. There was no block punts. There was no this, that, the other thing. K-State just went out and won this game on offense, made just enough stops on defense and just won this game on offense, converted when they needed to convert. I can think of two, you know, third and 10 pluses off the top of my head on scoring drives that Martinez picked up with his legs. I mean, Everything we thought we were getting in Martinez was on full display. And if that's the guy we're going to have the rest of the year, we are in for a really, really fun rest of the season. On the rewatch, I forgot about some of those plays. You mentioned his, even the, the opening drive totally spaced on that third. We had a third and 12 pretty much right out of the shoot. And he, you know, took one around the left end, picked up the the yardage and got the first down. And that was obviously we, we I talked about it in my, my recap. And, and I think it, it's pretty well documented by any and every K-State fan that the early, the fast early start in that game defined everything. The bet, I mean, probably the best part about that play in particular, that third and 12 is he got stood up by two separate defenders um, about four yards short of the sticks. And I actually, I tweeted a screen grab of it uh, today or yesterday. I don't know. It's been a week, but um, I tweeted a screen grab of it. Not only is he stood up, he's actually leaning the wrong direction, manages to get his footing and drag those two guys, another four, exactly four yards right to the sticks. You know, we end up punching that in and that ends up being part of a 14, nothing lead. So someone pointed that out to me um, after the game was earlier, or earlier this week that, you know, you could tell right then and there, he, he was a new man for all intents and purposes. And it, uh, yeah, I mean, he did not, once he put his foot on the gas, he did not let up. 
Very appropriate segue here, Nutter. Uh, K-State flooded with weekly accolades following that victory over Oklahoma. Again, just the program's 11th all-time win over an AP top 10 team. And Nutter, not surprisingly, Adrian Martinez, we've sung his praises on here. He's the recipient of several weekly accolades. Yeah, um, you know, I think it, it, it can't be overstated how big of a deal it was that he did this, you know, Again, like I said, in prime time, under the brightest lights, one of the biggest stages in front of a national audience. I mean, this guy, you want to talk about getting a monkey off his back, not just at K-State, but over the course of his career. You know, I know he's kind of come in with that moniker that he can't win the close ones. So to do it in front of everyone, frankly, with his former team on by having to watch him do it, you know, I think that was just icing on the cake. And it's you know, every accolade he gets because of that win is is more than well-deserved. He was named Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Week, Manning Award Star of the Week, and also just uh, here uh, as of recording, just finding out he has been named a semifinalist for the Campbell Trophy, one of 73 players to make the cut here, uh, and it goes to the most outstanding college football player, both athletically and academically. So big congratulations to Adrian and, or should I say, 9 a.m. for all those achievements here this week. Kansas State as a whole, it was named the Cheez-It Bowl National Team of the Week. I'm sure people have seen the picture so uh, circulating around social media of King Felix with all the Cheez-It bags and everything. <laughs> you love seeing that. And also, uh, can't uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out our newcomer of the week, Kobe Savage, had a team high and a personal career high, 11 tackles in that game against Oklahoma. And the thing I came away really most impressed with with the, with the defense in that game was the tackling. They, they had a couple of spots here and there where guys – broke through that initial contact for Oklahoma, but you didn't see that a lot. And typically and what Oklahoma does so well because of how elusive their athletes are, how gifted they are physically and everything in between they're they're so good at turning those mundane bubble screens, those little flare routes, whatever it is, turning those into big plays because guys in the secondary are out of position or they've got a, a mismatch there with personnel, whatever the case is. And K-State secondary did not really allow that to happen throughout the course of that game. So, and Kobe Savage was a big part of that. Shout out to him again for his 11 tackles and being named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. So, I, I think, uh, and I know it's hard to put it in the rear view just when it is such a monumental victory, but it's it's time to to turn the page here as we get set to uh, prep ourselves for Texas Tech coming into Manhattan this Saturday, an 11 o'clock uh, 11 o'clock kick at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. As I said a little bit earlier, only a handful of tickets remain for this one, so it's looking like we'll have close to a sellout crowd on hand. Should be a beautiful day as well in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, projecting sunny skies, topping out in the high 70s, low 80s, and uh, this is and honestly, this is where I love 11 a.m. games because of just you get to the parking lot, it's nice and cool in the morning, and then you can shed the layers in the afternoon, and it's not going to be unbearably hot. So uh, this is certainly going to be better conditions, I will say, than what K-State has faced the last two weeks weather-wise because Oklahoma was humid as hell. I can confirm that having been there personally. It was just brutal in that stadium. Just You could cut it with a knife. And then the week prior against Tulane when it's – damn near 100 well over 100 on the field I should say it was a toasty one when the green wave came to town so we're getting into that fall season so we're going to be picturesque setting in, in Manhattan Kansas as the Wildcats get set to open up their home big 12 slate against the Red Raiders and Nutter this is a Texas Tech team coming in feeling pretty good about itself after upsetting in-state rival and flagship school Texas yeah you know it's uh it, it's definitely a similar situation um they won that game against Texas. Frankly, they probably should have won it in regulation. Uh, took the lead with something like 25 seconds left, I think. Texas managed to get down and get into field goal range. But, I mean, obviously pretty great resilience by Tech to not let them sh- not let that shake them and, you know, still get it done in overtime. Um, you know, their, their season's been a little weird so far. Uh, they had to go down to the wire against Houston um, in just, uh, you know, just their second game. 
went down to NC State, uh, didn't get blown out by any means. They were down 20, I think, in the fourth quarter at one point. So only ended up losing 27-14, but I don't necessarily know. Like I said, only a 13-point loss probably wasn't quite that close, but by no means did they get their doors blown off. Um, and then, yeah, coming off that big one against Texas, you know, this is a series K-State has had a ton of success in. Doesn't necessarily feel like it. You and I were talking off air. K-State's won 10 of the last 11 in this one very quietly. It almost seems it's just not one for as dominant as K-State's been in recent memory. It just, just doesn't seem to get a lot of attention. But, you know, you kind of alluded to it with as big and as wide open as this conference is, pretty much top to bottom this year. Games like these are going to be really, really important to get this one at home. And the fact that K-State has already kind of suffered that letdown, you know, uh, coming out and laying an egg against Tulane after – after pretty well smoking Missouri, you know, I'd like to think K-State's going to be a little bit more focused coming into this one. The fact that that, and uh, the fact that it's at home, you know, I'm feeling pretty good, but you still got to go out and take care of business. Texas Tech comes into this game at three and one, one and oh in the big 12 after that victory over Texas. The head coach of the Red Raiders is Joey McGuire. This is his first year in the red and black. Previously, he had spent five seasons in Waco as outside linebackers coach and associate head coach for the Baylor Bears. So again, just underscoring his familiarity, not just with the Lone Star State, but the Big 12 Conference, the recruiting landscape and everything in between. And he is a very passionate guy, make no mistake about it. And I do want to play his remarks that he made to his team in the locker room at the con- following the conclusion rather of the Red Raiders come from behind victory over Texas. Hey, I ask you to keep fighting. Did said it's going to be when we came out of half, we had two more rounds of fight, and you did. I told you they were going to break, and they did. I told you they were going to break, and did. The reporter asked me at the end, says, "What's it mean?" to win this game and beat Texas. I said, it doesn't mean anything to beat Texas. We're 1-0 in the Big 12. That's what it means. That's what it means. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all right now, the country's going to find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. That win clearly meant a lot to Coach McGuire and also to the Texas Tech program and to the fan base. Anecdotally, I think we as Kansas State fans understand the predicament that Tech fans are in just by virtue of being perceived as these small little slivers of the overall Big 12 conference pie, us needing to kiss the Texas ring for anything and everything as it relates to the Big 12 conference, at least here for the short term. But there's that added element of beating the flagship program in the state, beating them on your home field for the first time since 2008, and doing it also not knowing whether or not Texas is going to re-up this series. The Longhorns obviously bolting for greener pastures in the SEC, and no one knows whether or not they're going to sign a non-conference agreement with Texas Tech. So I say all that to say that had to have been extra satisfying for Coach McGuire and his staff, and they'll be looking to buck another trend this coming Saturday against Kansas State. The Wildcats have taken six straight in this series against the Red Raiders, 10 of the last 11. And that being said, I think it's as good a time as any to move into our tail of the tape for this upcoming matchup. We'll start off with the Texas Tech offense, which has returned to its roots, so to speak. This is once again a bona fide air raid team under the direction of offensive coordinator Zach Kitley. He came over to Texas Tech by way of Western Kentucky. If you have any questions about his acumen as a play caller or as an offensive coordinator, go ahead and look at some of the highlights of Bailey Zappi after he tossed 62 touchdown passes as a hilltopper last season. This is a very prolific offensive attack, and Kitley is getting high production out of his offense as they are the third best team nationally in terms of passing yards per game, averaging 363. That is the top mark in the Big 12 Conference. Not surprisingly, not nearly as much emphasis on the running game. Texas Tech last in the Big 12 in that category, only putting up 113 rushing yards per game. For context, Deuce Vaughn has actually outrushed Texas Tech by himself. Deuce Vaughn has put up 468 rushing yards in four games for Kansas State. Texas Tech as a team, just 453. This is going to be a very intriguing matchup, Nutter. We saw Oklahoma wide receivers get behind this Kansas State secondary a couple of times last Saturday, but still 
all in all, the Wildcats passing defense pretty respectable. It's second in the Big 12 in terms of yards allowed per game, 193 through the air. Tops in the conference for Kansas State's defense in terms of pass efficiency. This is where the rubber is going to meet the road for this game, and this is going to go a long way in deciding who wins this one. And how are you feeling, Nutter, about how Kansas State's secondary matches up against these Texas Tech pass catchers? Sure. I mean, the fact that, you know, like you said, Oklahoma, our, you know, our defensive backs got beat deep several times, far more than they had at any other point this season. Um, the fact that we that happened to us and we still got out of there with the win, you know, obviously you kind of count your blessings on that. But, you know, it's probably a little bit of an eye-opening experience for those guys. Um, you got to think that's something that, you know, Van Malone and company's going to, you know, really tighten up the screws on that. One thing, though, you know, while K-State did get kind of lit up in the passing game, a lot of those scores came on those, you know, you can't really call them busted plays, but they came on those big plays. But, you know, if, if you look at some of the other numbers, OU was only four of 13 on third down. You know, when K-State needed to get off the field and have the opportunity, K-State pretty much got off the field really like they have all season. They are now uh, third down conversion percentage of only 263. They are actually tied for 10th nationally. Only uh, only team better in the conference has been Oklahoma State, and that's only just by a hair. So, I mean, you know, it's definitely something they're going to be tested. Like you said, you know, we don't, I don't know that we've seen a team that airs it out quite like this. Um, which is funny to say because, like you said, Gabriel pretty much carved us up through the air. But, you know, the defense has done what it's needed to do and got off the field, you know, in the most in the most key situations. So that's definitely going to be put to the test this week. Oklahoma certainly stresses your defense in a different manner, for sure. They run their zone read action at you so often throughout the course of the game, just waiting and waiting for those safeties to creep up a little bit too far into the box. And then... If it looks like they've got man coverage out on the boundary, as the saying goes, if we're even, we're leaving. And that's when you see those deep shots to Mims, Farouk, whoever it might be. Texas Tech will stress you differently. This is a team that is going to nickel and dime you to death. They average 48 and a half pass attempts per game. The weird thing is, this isn't necessarily the most efficient passing offense. They currently rank 73rd nationally and ninth in the Big 12 in pass efficiency, but they've moved the ball well enough to manufacture points. They're currently averaging just under 37 per game. That's 41st in the country. And the other thing I'll say in terms of just their efficiency and their ability to stay on the field, we talked a little bit last week about how Oklahoma Average just 25 minutes, a little bit less than 25 minutes of possession time per game. They were one of the quickest teams in the country. Texas Tech, for as much as they throw the ball, they actually do a reasonably good job of staying on the field. They average just over 30 minutes of possession time per ball game. So, again, just illustrates what you're going to see. This is an offense in a system in place with Zach Kitley where they just have this trust that they're going to be able to move it and they have this belief in what they do and their guys are going to find those spots in their zone. They're going to beat man coverage just enough to move the ball and keep you off balance in the passing game. So with that being said, we'll talk about a couple of players to keep an eye on as far as this Texas Tech offense goes. They are quarterbacked by Donovan Smith. He took over for Tyler Shuck, the Oregon transfer who got injured in the season opener. And Smith has done a remarkably good job here. He is completing just under 65, excuse me, just under 66% of his throws. He's thrown for 1,116 yards, nine touchdowns, but five interceptions. A couple of those were returned for touchdowns. And that's one area where Texas Tech does struggle somewhat. They turn the ball over. They average two turnovers per game. They're currently minus three in turnover margin. That's 106th nationally, and they're the worst team in the Big 12 in that department. So Red Raider fans certainly hoping that ball security is of the utmost concern heading into this Saturday because if you think about it from K-State's defense, they've got three guys that have two interceptions to their name already through the young season. And the Wildcats, no doubt, are going to be looking to force a couple of turnovers and get a couple of extra possessions after forcing zero against Oklahoma. 
other players to watch for this Texas Tech offense. They spread the ball around. As I said, we have 16 Red Raiders who have recorded at least one catch here on the young season. But Miles Price is the man to keep an eye on. He has 25 grabs for 265 yards, a little bit more than 10 per catch there. Two touchdowns to his name. And he was targeted a lot in that game against Texas. So expect the ball to go to him a fair amount. Now, he is a guy that works out of the slot. So he's elusive, has the ability to get behind you. He's a slippery one, so just a guy to keep an eye on for the Kansas State secondary. Jaran Brad, uh, Bradley, excuse me, 16 grabs, 198 yards. Nehemiah Martinez, he's a little bit more explosive. He's averaging just under 13 per catch. And then you also have Sir Roderick Thompson coming out of the backfield as well as Taj Brooks. The running backs have combined for 23 catches. Again, just giving you an idea of how good this offense is at spreading the ball around and how good Donovan Smith is at identifying pass catchers. So what am I going to be keyed in on this Saturday as far as K-State's defense goes? First things first, the pass rush needs to get home more. Quite frankly, Oklahoma's offense was K-State's best friend in terms of getting the Sooners off schedule. K-State only had three tackles behind the line of scrimmage and had a havoc rate of less than 10% on Oklahoma's 73 snaps. That's not going to win you a lot of Big 12 games. K-State was fortunate, again, to get the offensive outing that it did from Adrian Martinez and company, but you can't always bank on 500 yards from your offense and going 7 from 7 in the red zone. K-State's defense needs to be more disruptive, and that starts up front. We need to see more out of Felix, Huggy Bear. Hopefully Nate Matlack is available this week. It was sounding like things were moving in the positive direction for him. I know he only got a handful of snaps against Oklahoma, but if K-State can get him back into the fold this Saturday, that would be huge because this pass rush needs to be disruptive. Next item I'm going to be keyed in on, can you make Texas Tech one-dimensional? I know I mentioned at the outset of this that the Red Raiders are the worst team in the Big 12 in terms of rushing the ball and their average yards per rush. Again, Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks aren't particularly explosive. Neither one is averaging over five yards per carry. But you certainly can't let Texas Tech do anything to get you off balance. If the Red Raiders are going to beat you, let them beat you by doing what they do best, which is throwing the ball. So do what you need to do in terms of eliminating any threat of a running game and make sure that you get to a point where you can really pin your ears back on defense and play the pass, which leads into my final key for this K-State defense and the back end in particular, closing speed. How quick are you going to be to beating Texas Tech to spots? Because how this offense executes, everything is really predicated on the timing. And if Brents and Echo, Kobe Savage, TJ Smith, whoever it is, can beat receivers to spots, that's where you're going to see the difference made in this game of a pass breakup versus a 12-yard completion. A pass breakup versus a 15-yard completion. That's just what Texas Tech does. And you need to have, this is where film study is going to be paramount for the Wildcats, their understanding of the Texas Tech route concepts and how they run their offense. That's what I'm really going to be keyed in on this week. So again, pass rush, eliminating the run game, closing speed from the back end. That's what I'm going to be focusing on for this Kansas State defense. Now, before we transition over to the K-State offense matching up against the Tech defense, Nutter, I know you had one more nugget you wanted to drop. Obviously, there, there there's all of the dangers that come with playing against the Air Raid. You know, like you mentioned, we've certainly seen Texas Tech burn K-State with it big time before. You think of some of those Mike Leach offenses, or you think about Patrick Mahomes throwing it all over the yard. However, there are a couple of elements that Tech has been pretty bad about on offense that are areas where K-State has really feasted so far this year. Um they are 124th nationally with seven interceptions thrown already this year. That's an area where K-State's been one of the best in the country, as you've already already mentioned. And then they have not been very good at keeping their quarterbacks upright. They are tied for 118th nationally with 13 sacks allowed through just these first four games. So, you know, basically if K-State can kind of return to form here and do – what they did really well in those first three games. You know, I know Air Raid, it, it, it sounds pretty bad when you say it out loud, but this could end up being a, a really good day for the defense if they just take care of business and do what they know how to do well. For sure. And I honestly always felt weirdly confident as a K-State fan if I knew 
our cats were going up against an air raid style offense and that confidence would be amplified tenfold if I knew the guy taking the snaps was a statue. I think back to some of those tech teams that were quarterbacked by Davis Webb or Seth Daigie or Steven Sheffield, uh, those Oklahoma State teams that were quarterbacked by Mason Rudolph, guys that you knew just were not threats to get out and even throw on the run if you got them out on the perimeter. That really just wasn't a part of their game. And I should clarify with this iteration of Texas Tech, Donovan Smith is actually the team leader in rush attempts. He has 49 on the season, sack adjusted. He's only gained 73 yards. But I think that does showcase his ability to run. And don't be surprised if you see a couple of design calls for him in short yardage situations where they do give him the opportunity to pick up first downs or get him out on the perimeter and see if he can't gain a couple of yards because he is a big physical specimen, every bit of 6'5 and 230, very much built the same way Colin Klein was during his playing days. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for, for this Kansas State defense, just a, that little added wrinkle of Donovan Smith taking the ball and running. And I know Texas Tech's defense will certainly be keyed in on Adrian Martinez after he carved up Oklahoma for 148 yards and four rushing touchdowns last Saturday. That's going to be one very intriguing element to keep your eyes on for this Wildcat offense as we move forward and seeing how they match up in this week against the Texas Tech defense. How often does Adrian Martinez carry the ball? I don't think Colin Klein's intent was to run him 21 times, but just with the way that that game played out, he was able to get things loosened up with those vertical shots to Ben Sennett. And honestly, I feel like that's what K-State fans want to see most here as we move forward. Continued development of the downfield passing game. And Nutter, I'll, I'll put it to you here as far as what you want to see out of Adrian Martinez moving forward. Again, doesn't need to, to light him up for 250, 300 yards passing every single week. But I think if he's in the neighborhood of 200 most Saturdays, K-State's going to have a pretty good shot to win. Yeah, I mean, you basically hit the nail right on the head. If you can get 150 to 200 out of him and he's a legitimate threat to, you know, burn you through the air, that's going to keep you honest a little bit more and make Deuce that much dangerous and make Adrian that much dangerous, that much more dangerous with his legs. You know, I, I don't think that's unrealistic. No, he's not going to go out and put up five touchdowns a game. If he is, we're going to see him in New York at the end of the year. But, you know, all that to be said, I don't think it's unrealistic. You know, he can't go back into a shell. Obviously, you know, I don't like I said, I don't know what conversations were had behind closed doors, but a switch definitely flipped at some point last week. And, you know, if he can continue to ride with that mentality and, you know, avoid the costly mistakes, he has yet to turn the ball over, knock on wood. You know, if he can avoid the costly mistakes and continue to play with that kind of aggression, I do think the sky is still the limit for him. But no, I don't think it's realistic to expect five touchdowns a game out of him. But yeah, you know, if you can just add that other dimension to your offense, I think. K-State's outlook as a whole uh, looks looks much brighter for the rest of the year. Do you think we see any kind of tempo out of the offense this Saturday? I, I only raised that question just because in looking at, uh, again, the total number of plays, I, I would not have expected K-State to be anywhere in the vicinity of Texas Tech. And, and granted, there is a pretty sizable gap between them, but the fact that Tech's first and K-State's tied for third in the conference standings in terms of plays per game, that to me is a little surprising. Yeah, no, it almost hits the ear wrong when you think about it. You know, I don't, I don't know if tempo's like, you know, we're not going to see the hurry up or we're not going to see a lot of no huddle or anything like that, obviously. But like, you know, I wouldn't mind them slowing the pace down a little bit if for no other reason than to keep Tech's offense off the field. That said, if they're if they're making mistakes and K State's getting home with the pass rush, you know, I don't necessarily care. Leave them on the field, that's fine. But no, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to see anything more up tempo than what we've seen so far. Tech's defense currently ranks fourth in the conference. Total yards allowed per game, 200, excuse me, 326, 5.17 per play. They've only yielded nine touchdowns in their first four contests. Again, that's that's what I'm saying. And I think that's what a lot of Texas Tech fans are saying. And the other thing, too, that and that was one element I admittedly dropped the ball on here. Uh, Donovan Smith. You talked about the number of interceptions thrown. A handful of those have resulted 
directly in pick sixes going the other way. So I'm sure Texas Tech can be for, for highly keyed in on the turnover bug and, and trying their best to avoid that because I do feel like this is a game with K-State's running game, and I feel like that'll be the element in which the Wildcats challenge Tech in a way that they really haven't been challenged yet to date just because if you think about last week, what what yes, you have B. John Robinson, arguably the best running back in the Big 12, but – Texas knows quarterback depth at this stage for them. You have Hudson card and, and then you're still waiting for Quinn Ewers to get healthy and whatnot. They, they know they can't really afford to do anything in, in terms of QB run. So I think seeing that extra dimension of the offense open up for K-State this past Saturday is pretty pivotal for the Wildcats as we get set to move forward. And, and I guess I'll ask you what, what, is a good number for Adrian in terms of design QB runs per game, because while we all loved the effort that we got out of him and, and he looked so smooth running the ball, very heady running the ball. I don't think we again, want to get caught in a predicament where we were with Colin Klein a few years ago, where we're literally just running QB smash every single time, you know, 25, 30 times a game. No, obviously not. I mean, and I think, you know, Adrian is a much more two-dimensional player than than Colin. No disrespect. He's a much more two-dimensional player than Colin ever was. Um, you know, and, and it's so hard to say because so many of these designed Q, QB runs are designed to not look like designed QB runs. So, you know, it, it's hard to tell what is and what actually isn't. But in terms of pre-snap, he knows I'm tucking it and taking off. You know, if you can limit that to four or five times, you know, I don't think that's you know, knowing that he has the ability to scramble as well, you know, if he's able to sit in the pocket, nothing, nothing comes open. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be doing that so much that it becomes an issue, especially knowing his injury history. Deuce Vaughn looking to get back to his ways of wrecking Big Twelve defenses again, held under 100 yards by Tulane, but picked up in conference play as we begin big, the Big Twelve slate got right back up to 100 against the Sooners with a very workmanlike day, uh, eclipsing 110 yards, averaging around 4.6 per carry. And I expect to get uh, for him to get, obviously, a fair amount of touches. And I think this is also uh, be a game. Uh, I'm sure just the way that Kleiman and, and Klein were probably approaching that game against Oklahoma, DJ, DJ Giddens did get a couple of touches, but I'm sure you're, you're a little – tense on the road especially knowing in that that game where Oklahoma's defense was just looking for any opportunity to to make a big time havoc play and create a turnover I think that's likely why we didn't see as much Giddens carrying the ball because he's gotten a, a fair amount of snaps at home games I think we see him get a few extra touches this coming Saturday as well also very impressed with what we got out of the receivers last Saturday with absolutely with Brooks uh, Brooks Cade Malik everybody really had their moments and also uh Ben Sinnott who I, I think Nutter is it fair to say he's this offense's version of Winston Dimmel I mean, I think he's already being used much, much. I, I know Demel was definitely the guy at the goal line, but you know, I, I don't really ever remember him aside from those, you know, designed QB pop passes. You know, I don't, I don't know that I ever, ever remember us going downfield to Demel multiple times in a game. I think Senate is far more of a downfield threat than Demel ever was. I think it shows the, the fact that the coaches feel comfortable enough flexing him out to the slot, not just lining him up as an age and kind of having him, creep out there on those little fake zone read dives and then pop it over the top. I think they, they feel that he is a pretty versatile athlete there. And I know we, we had, there's some consternation about that, but uh, at the end of the day with what he gave K state against Oklahoma, that was a, a big time effort from him. Just uh, the four catches for 80. I can't remember if it was 80 or 81 yards, but even so all big time plays. And I think more than anything else, we're all keeping, uh, our hopes up that this what we saw in terms of just the vertical passing game that element of the offense continues you touched on it Nutter I think you you just don't want to see Adrian go back into the shell you don't want to see Colin Klein knowing that you're playing at home you know kind of easing yourself in feeling a little bit more comfortable in your own surroundings feeling like oh we don't necessarily need to be as creative as exotic as we might have been offensively I, I would like to think that this staff learned its lesson in the two lane game. And I feel like moving forward, especially now 
you're in conference play. There's there's no sense in holding anything back at this point. So I think we're going to continue to see this offense open things up to to be more dynamic. Uh, I certainly hope that uh, that involves fewer runs for Adrian. But if the end result is is the wins and if he is smart about it, because I remember he, he he did a really good job of avoiding a lot of big time shots against Oklahoma. If he can continue to tote the ball 15 ish times per game and K-State's offense can continue to stress big 12 foes the way it did Oklahoma, I'm not going to complain too much. So I, I I'm, I'm expecting big things out of this group here this week, just with the way that, like I said, this is going to be a big time test for Texas tech. And I know going on the road to face NC state, it, that's one thing. And that's a good NC state team, but going on the road for, your big 12 conference, your first road, true road game in big 12 play a little bit different. And, and there's going to be some juice at Bill Snyder family stadium this past Saturday. I think that's one of kind of the intangibles we haven't talked about. Nutter, I know you and I just in text exchanged over the couple of weeks feeling just very deflated after that Oklahoma or after, not after the Oklahoma game, after the Tulane game, feeling like all the hopes that we had for the season that was ahead of us just seemed like they were kind of dashed. And then you go and you pull off the unthinkable. I think that's, that's going to go a long way in restoring, I, I think a lot of equity with the fan base. Here's the way I worded it to someone earlier this week. You know, I felt pretty good about starting this season three and one. This is not at all the three and one. I thought we would start. I think given the alternative, I want this every single time, give me this version of three and one. If laying, if laying an egg against Tulane, you know, is ultimately what woke our offense up and, you know, ignites some kind of crazy Big 12 run, that loss is going to become more and more irrelevant as you, you know, the further you get into the season. The only way that loss matters is if you have like true real playoff implications on the line. I don't know that I'm willing to go that far yet for K-State, but no, you know, if we can turn around and rattle this into five, six, seven Big 12 wins, yeah, I think it's almost like, you know, falling on that sword against Tulane was absolutely worth it. And, you know, like you said, I think that uh, that win could not have come in a better time. It really kind of rejuvenated the fan base. I know people were not feeling the greatest about the outlook of the season. I kind of alluded to it at the start of the episode, you know, it almost felt like, you know, is this, are we going to be able to salvage this season? And now we're right back on track. If anything, we might be a step ahead of where we thought we would be. So yeah, no, I expect a, I expect plenty of energy. I know it's an early kick, but I do expect, you know, plenty of energy and I expect, I expect the bill to be rocking on Saturday for sure. Do you feel that the hangover is going, who is going to be suffering the effects of the hangover more? Is it going to be Kansas state or Texas tech? I think the fact that K state has already had the big letdown as recent as they had it. um, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned about that being an issue, you know, again, take it at face value. Everyone has their own opinion on it. You're not looking at any, you know, new uniforms to be distracted by this week. <laughs> you know, I know we're, we're coming off a big win, but like I said, we were coming off of a big win last time. So I expect climbing to have these guys ready to go and have them focused. Whereas that was a really, really big win against Texas for tech. I don't remember the last time they had beaten Texas. I want to say it was like maybe 2008. I mean, yes. it had been a first while. home win over Texas. Uh, yeah. The first home win since, since the Graham Herald and Michael Crabtree. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so all that to be said, that's a really big win for them. Like you said, they're going to be playing in a pretty hostile environment against a team that does well against things they're not great at. So I think it, it, all of the pieces are there for for Tech to probably suffer the letdown before K-State does. Definitely going to be something to watch. And I, I tend to fall, and I know that might be a little biased on my end, but that, that game, in my opinion, K-State and Oklahoma, I, I'm – I can't say that that's a rivalry other than the fact that, yes, they, they've been longtime conference members going back, you know, to the Big Eight and so forth. But that was never really a, a rivalry per se in the truest sense. So, like, it, it's not Bedlam. And K-State's – K-State going and doing what it did against Oklahoma was obviously big in, in terms of the context of the season. But I think it, it doesn't carry the same amount of weight. This is not like – K-State and Nebraska under Bill Snyder, where you knew that game had so much more meaning, not just to the team, to the program, to Bill Snyder at the time. Like, I I don't get that vibe from the Oklahoma game. I think everybody knows and understands, like, listen, this is a big time win. What we did was great. 
but I think the fact that they're coming home and to, to your point that they already suffered the big time letdown that honestly works to your benefit here, in my opinion. And also I think Texas tech that beating the flagship, beating them on your home field, storming, you know, storming the field, getting fined by the big 12, the whole thing, <laughs> like all, all the stuff that goes into it, that, that, game has to carry more weight for Texas tech and for a new coach to do it against the flagship school in the state. Like in my mind that carries more weight and it's not to say that Texas tech couldn't come out and just be totally locked in and focused. But I, I think both teams will be a little hung over to a degree, but I, I honestly, I feel like K state's just going to be in a better position to, to mentally handle it and bounce back here early on. So agreed. That, that's just my two cents on it. Uh, another item that I wanted to touch on here before we wrap things up with our picks to pop and, and our predictions here. Nutter, you did some digging on this. There, th- That stat you see during every single game of K-State and non-offensive touchdowns. It, you know we, we lead the country since whatever year it is, 2005, I believe, is when they, they're cutting it off now. But that's been really pertinent in this series against Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, you think back and it's like you almost can't think of a K-State-Texas Tech game in which K-State didn't have a non-offensive touchdown. Um, And so I I did. I kind of went by the numbers here and just dug all the way back to um, the inaugural Big 12 game when when Tech came to Manhattan in 1996. Since then, K-State and Tech have played 20 times. K-State has scored non-offensive points 16 freaking times in that in that 20-game stretch. That is unreal. And just on a kind of a fun trip down memory lane here, I kind of went down, like I said, and, and tracked down every single one of them. So uh, by the numbers of those 16 scores, there were five kick returns, one each by Josh Youngblood, Byron Pringle, Morgan Burns, Tyler Lockett, and Yaman Figures. There have been six pick sixes, one each by Duke Shelley, DJ Reed, Ty Zimmerman, Arthur Brown, Nigel Malone, and probably the shocker of the list, Jeff Fitzgerald. Oh, that game where we got blitzed 66 to 14. Yeah. Yeah. That was half of our points was that one. (laughs) Made the trek down to Lubbock for that one. Worst trip of my life. Um, There have been three safeties. Uh, The most recent one, obviously being Felix last year for my money probably the best individual defensive play I can ever remember seeing at any level. I mean, he went into the backfield with an offensive tackle literally on his back and managed to get that running back down in the end zone. Um, Brock Monty in 2018 blocked a punt in the end zone for a safety. And then in 2004, Sonny Cumbie was still the quarterback. You have to go quite a ways back for this one. Brandon Archer and Terrius George uh, got Cumbie down in the end zone. They ended up calling him for intentional grounding. So it was a safety anyway. Um, then there was a, I said the block pun already. And then, uh, I think the last one I have on here is, uh, oh, we blocked a punt in 2008. Um, I believe it was Ray Cheatham blocked it. And then Ernie Pierce recovered it and took it to the house. And then the very first big 12 game of any kind, uh, tech had a bad snap over the punter's head and Mario Smith fell on it in the end zone. So, at this point, if you're a betting man, and I know a lot of people in Kansas now are, <laughs> it's almost house money to say K-State's going to score not on offense because it happens damn near every time we play. Even in 2020, uh, Tech's first drive stalls. South Porter, uh, we block a punt, and South Porter returns it inside the 20. Damn near took that to the house. So I don't know what it is about Tech specifically, but K-State has their number with non-offensive points. It is a really bizarre trend there. And I'm sure to your point, there's there's probably a prop out there that you can find for a non-offensive score in this game. So uh, whatever your preferred app is, go ahead and check that out. And you mentioned that inaugural Big 12 game. One of the funniest videos on YouTube, if you, if you K-State fans want to check that out, um, there is a Texas Tech recap video of that first Big 12 game against the 96 cats and red raiders and there is a cutaway in this video 
in which whoever was doing the filming literally just like walked into the te- the opposing locker room and caught Spike Dykes in the shower. He's just like sitting there, nothing covering the top half. And he's just talking about the fact that there was a blown call. And granted, I, I didn't see it. Obviously, I was only, I think, nine years old at the time. But there is a pretty egregious missed touchdown for Texas Tech in that 1996 game where a wide receiver of theirs catches the ball, drags both feet, and the zebra is looking right at it and waves it out of bounds. So if uh, if you want to check that out, you can dig that up on YouTube. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to this coming Saturday again. Pivotal game for both squads, looking to go 2-0 and in Big 12 play. Nutter, I, I think we've been pretty uh, thorough in our breakdown here as far as what to expect. Who are going to be your picks to pop for the Cats on offense and defense? Yeah, you know, I've been, two consecutive games of not getting, to the, getting into the end zone for Deuce feels like an eternity with the touchdown machine. You know, we had kind of become accustomed to him being so... You know, I know it was it was kind of Adrian's time to shine last weekend in Norman, but I, you know, I look for Deuce to get back on track and find Pater, you know, maybe more than once. You know, it could be it could be a big day for him. And then uh on defense, we didn't hear much from Felix last week. You know, I know he I believe he was my pick to pop last week too. You know, I know the pass rush only got home one time and Felix was not a part of that play. Um like I said, this could be a game where, you know, obviously you're you're never going to expect him to come out and have another performance like he did against TCU where he basically just dominated the entire offensive line the whole game. But this definitely has the makings of a game where he could come out and have two or three, you know, he could make two or three big plays there in the backfield. So, yep. I know again, they're, they're, they're kind of a canned picks as you called them last week, but uh, you know, just looking for your playmakers to make their plays. Nothing wrong with it, my man. And, and again, going with deuce is never a bad idea <laughs> as far as the offense player go. Um, and you, you called Adrian and you said that you last week it was going to be his time to shine. And man, you, he counted for all five K state touchdowns. So you hit that one right on the head, my man. So as far as me this week, I'm going to start off on the defensive side of the ball. And I really, really liked what Julius Brents did against Oklahoma, had a couple of nice spots uh, sitting back in zone coverage, breaking up some passes, coming up and run support. Love dude likes to talk and, and he backs it up. And again, he, I, I, I love the, the long frame, bigger, defensive back it's it's so rare that you see any of those really because every cornerback you typically see anymore is is right around six foot if not shorter so I love the fact that we've got a taller DB that can match up in zone coverage can go man to man can bump and run with you and I think just again by virtue of the fact that Tech's going to wing it 40 plus times in this game he'll have a chance to make a couple plays on some balls and uh, the fact that Donovan Smith can be baited and he will likely throw you a couple of interceptable passes. I'm going to say he's going to get one this week. So I'm going to go with Julius Prince as my guy on defense offensively, man, this is after, after being critical of the fact that the offensive coaches weren't, were utilizing him improperly and whatnot. And and I'm going to say Ben Sinnott, just because, <laughs> just because he really did help open things up. Now, in the same breath, this might be a dumb decision on my part because what with him leaking out now in the flat, you've got that on tape a handful of times. So does Texas Tech do a little bit more? Uh, do, do they dedicate more personnel? I, it's hard to even fathom. Does does Ben Sinnott command bracket coverage? Uh, Who would ever thought? That's a brand uh, new sentence right there. (laughs) I was going to say that you say new things you never expect to come out of your mouth every week. But um, I I did, in fact, just put that on record. But I'm going to say he comes out and has a chance to have another big time game. And and honestly, if maybe he's the one who kind of loosens things up and you get some more one on one opportunities for if it's Cade or Malik or Philip Brooks, RJ Garcia got in for a couple of plays last Saturday as well it'll be interesting to see how k-state elects to attack as far as the passing game goes but i think the coaches have something there with senate so they might they might not go to the well as many times as they did him getting as many targets as he did against oklahoma i think i'm not going to call it an aberration but i think that's probably something where they just saw and got the right look against that defense and adrian put the ball on the spot i don't know i think texas tech makes a little bit more of an effort to 
to negate that this Saturday. But I'm going to say he has another chance to go off and have a couple of big catches this one and, and really more than anything else kind of be that catalyst that opens things up for other guys in the passing game. I hate to dog on other tight ends and ages. We just really haven't seen much out of, out of Sammy Wheeler yet or and, and Jackson Eames not really played much as far as fullback goes. So I think Ben Sennett's going to be kind of your guy there as far as pass catchers. It's, again, very weird to say that, but I'm going to go with him on offense. So looking for big things out of those two guys, Brents and Sennett. Now, uh, to wrap things up here, Netter, let's dive into score predictions. Uh, this game sitting as of right now, K-State is an eight-point favorite I think the fact that I, I look at that point or not points per game, but yards per play. And these teams aren't particularly explosive in what they do. Tech's just going to be a volume shooter and try to beat you to death with all the, the plays that they run. K-State's going to be a little bit more deliberate. So whatever, you, you know, we always go in. I feel like we go into these games expecting it to be, oh, if K-State's going to win, it's going to be 41 to 38 or going to be 38 to 31 or whatever the case might be and and last and last year it's 25 to 24 the year before that it was looking like it was going to be 24 21 so it's interesting to see how this game plays out as far as the scoring goes I I think if you're looking to be ballsy you maybe take the under uh, for that total this week but I I think this is a game that K-State does win but I'll turn it over to you what's your prediction for this Saturday yeah, I mean, again, I think the line seems about right to me, but I've said that every week and been horrendously off. So, you know, <laughs> don't don't take your betting advice from me. Um, no, you know, I think K-State's offense will keep it rolling enough to put up some points, and I think the defense will cause enough. You know, I like you, know, you like to say havoc plays. You know, I think we're, we're going to cause enough. We'll make enough mistakes that I think K-State will win it somewhat comfortably. I am going to go 30-21. to 21. I like that. And I, I think, you know, 30 is probably the high watermark this week. I, I, again, I, I would love nothing more for the off than for the offense to put up another 500 yard type performance and, and to, to really signify that this team is going to be a legit title contender this week. I, I, I think that this is where a game in which the offense does build off the momentum and continue to show growth and to, to be a little bit more versatile in play calling uh, I, I think K-State does win this game. I, I'm going to go with uh, another wonky number. I'm going to say 33 for the Cats and 24 for the Red Raiders. Uh, you talked about non-offensive scores. I, I'm, I'm going to say there's something weird. There's maybe a safety in there, or maybe there's an instance in which K-State gets a, a kick return touchdown or something like that, and we're chasing a two-pointer or something along those lines. I don't know. But just with the trend in this series with – wonky scores i'm gonna say that so 34 30 excuse me 33 24 cats and i think they do cover that eight point spread at home and move to two and oh so that is going to do it for this installment of college and kimball we thank you guys very much for the download and the stream Follow us on Twitter if you haven't done so already. It's college underscore Kimball. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. With all that being said, we'll go ahead and shut it down the way that we always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. Let's go get it done.